Welcome to the Sense of Soul podcast. We are your hosts, Shannon and Mandy. Grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time to awaken. Hey friends, if you are looking for ad-free Sense of Soul episodes, you can find them at Sense of Soul Patreon. Become a monthly member at any level. You will also have access to our monthly SOS Sacred Circles, our mini-series, merch, and much more. And it's a great way to help support our podcast so that we can continue to bring you inspiring episodes twice a week with our enlightened guests from all around the world. Check out our Patreon. Today we have with us Danny Greaves. Danny is a multi-award winning coach and therapist who helps people enjoy more fulfilling lives by creating strong self-confidence, better relationships, and positivity. He was awarded prestige 2021 Life Coach of the Year Award and has helped individuals across the globe. He was also named one of USA Today's top nine coaches to help level up your life in 2022. Danny is a childhood and relationship trauma expert, best known for using his groundbreaking psychological techniques to help his clients move on from painful past trauma, boost confidence, conquer self-expression, and achieve their dreams. Danny has authored multiple books, including a book I was reading this morning called Accelerated Trauma Resolution, the step-by-step guide to overcoming trauma. And I am so excited to talk to Danny all about his book and about his many amazing methods that he offers to his clients and that he's here to share with us today. Thanks so much for joining me, Danny. Hello. Hi, Danny. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yourself? I am good. Good morning. Well, it's morning for me. Where are you at? So I'm in Norwich in the UK. So it's good afternoon here. Good afternoon. Thank you so much. I've been listening to your voice all morning and you have such a pleasant voice. I like it. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I've actually been doing the same with you. So I've been going back through the podcast episodes this morning. (laughs) I was skimming through your book, but what I really want to do is I want to go and just really absorb it. It was amazing. I, I took so many awesome notes. You did a great job of simplifying, I think, a lot of things. That was the primary goal. I've had to explain it in so many different ways and then I'd work with a client and then they'd say to their friend I can't really explain what he does so I was like (laughs) okay I I need to find a way to to try and simplify it so if that's what came across that's mission accomplished yes you did I love how you threw in all of your best tools and you said this is all the things that I've seen work Yeah. yeah and really it's a way of helping people to understand, regardless of what your background is, why the mind does what it does when we have a painful experience, and therefore what the simplest way out of that predicament is. So it really just gives us a little bit of a roadmap to help people know if you have had a painful experience, if you had had a trauma, it's not a life sentence, but in order to change that, we just need to understand a little bit more about how our own minds work because then we can start to make the change. And I think we're all infinitely more powerful than we realize, but we need to be able to to unlock our own powers. It's something that's usually just a mystery to people, isn't it? Yeah. And the vast majority of people, it's just trial and error. Whereas when we were little, if we were to learn some degree of psychology, like we learn English or maths or science, I think it would make a huge difference. But I, I don't know how close we are to that. Yeah, I agree. And recently, I have two episodes that have to do with mushrooms. Ah, fascinating. Yeah. It is an accelerated way is what, you know, they're claiming. And I have seen this, you know, I've worked with people who we brought their stuff up to the present and, you know, and they're aware of it. And then they go and do mushrooms and boy, they're able to get through that super fast. I like to think that because everyone is different. I appreciate that for some people, they really just want a problem solved so then they can then get on and do what they want to do. And I I totally understand that. And then I think there are other people who not only want to get that change and that transformation, but they really want to grow and learn and understand the process as well. So Mm -hmm. I I think they both have their place. I'd imagine um, a fair amount of people who listen to this podcast are probably in the latter category in terms they they want an understanding, they want to learn how it works. Um, But I think it's, it's just up to the individual. 
Right. Because if you're a seeker, you want to know, you've been trying to uncover the truth of how things work, whether it's society, religion, uh, spiritually. And I think most importantly, we're human. So we really should understand what's going on with the human body and the mind. I think it's baked into us, isn't it? That that inner <laughs> curiosity to, to, to learn more, to ask questions. So it's just about, can we ask some quality questions to, to give us some quality answers. But, you know, oftentimes we just want to put a bandaid on it or we want a healing miracle, you know, yes. so we, you know, sometimes we don't even want to know, which is what our minds sometimes do. It's, it's certainly one strategy, isn't it? It's a strategy to sometimes actually, I'm, I'm not just, I'm just not going to deal with that. And yeah. unfortunately, when we don't deal with it, all it does is actually get bigger so then the fear of dealing with it gets scarier. And then actually we're in we're in quite a tricky situation when we do that. And it's that sort of like moment of courage that really fascinates me when someone says, OK, I'm not going to tolerate this anymore. I'm going to go explore. Yes. And that's that's the mindset that I think really, really helps people move forward. So tell me. Did you come into this work because you were working through your own issues or I shouldn't say issues, but your own trauma, or is this something that you just, you know, decided, Hey, I'm going to be this when I grow up. (laughs) I would love to say that when I was younger, I always wanted to work with trauma and it was kind of my destiny from a young age, but the (laughs) reality is not at all. So when where I was at school, um, I did a psychology class and I thought that was interesting, but that's kind of where it finished. And what I was really interested in is learning about the nervous system. So I originally started working as a, a physical therapist and I was specializing with helping people with chronic pain. And as it happened at the time, I had some of my own chronic pain. So that's kind of the avenue that I took to try and heal myself through that avenue and then as I was on that journey kind of somewhat out of the blue I was introduced to the idea that actually our emotions can cause physical changes in the body which can then lead to the sensation of pain and I thought that that's interesting and as I explored that that then revealed that I'd been suppressing quite a lot of my own stuff that I'd been pushing away And then when I started to learn how my mind works, that was the first time where I was actually sort of really lit up about learning something. I just consumed it and it just felt really natural. And I hadn't had that experience before. So in a very short space of time, I changed careers, quit my old job, started focusing on this. And then it's it's just been a, a really natural progression. Wow. Similar. I started out as a massage therapist, rubbing people's pain. I mean, they would see release for a bit because of that proprioception. I mean, their bodies would just like memory foams go right back to what it was. There was no real healing in it. I've been there. (laughs) Yeah. And even now I, I have other therapists who will be like, all right, Shanna, I need your help because, you know, I started to really see a lot of success with the energy work with like the cranial sacral therapy. Just when I was able to give people space to connect with Mm -hmm. their pain, just be quiet with it and listen to it. I think that being still, that being quiet in a safe space is often where actually change can can just start to happen. And while we might look for someone to do something to us to help us ease those symptoms, actually when someone creates a space for us to then go inwards, that's where that's actually where the the actual healing occurs, I think. Yeah, like that's the miracle that you're looking for. It's already, it's right there inside of you. Isn't that awesome? (laughs) It's wonderful. Yes. I know. I think it is. What I've learned lately, or not lately, but over the years, is that pain has been just a message. Uh, And it is, right? Pain is just a message from your brain, right? Telling you something is wrong. But I decided to listen to the message. And in turn, what ended up happening was I end up controlling the pain rather than the pain controlling me. Yeah. And can you speak about that? Because when you said that you had this, you know, the similar experience with pain, um, you know, what is going on? 
you know, what's happening when we're experiencing pain like this, that's out of nowhere, that becomes chronic with, you know, no injury. Yeah. Well, I think the, what you touched on, one of the key components in terms of being able to translate symptoms into feedback. So often we have pain or we have an illness and we judge that as something that we want to get rid of rather than actually translating it to try and see what the message is. And often, first of all, we'll have, we'll have an influence or we'll have a change in our psychology. So we'll be aware of something, even if we don't give it too much energy, we'll be aware of something psychologically. And then if we choose not to do anything, so if we ignore that, then it starts to move into our physiology. Then it starts to move into the body, into the sensations, into the feelings. And then if we still refuse to listen to that, then it moves more into our sociology. So it affects our relationships, the people around us, the environment that we're in. So I think we do get plenty of opportunities, but we're all quite well trained at pushing those away rather than dealing with them. And if we think about what we now know about the nervous system, the HPA axis, so one of the primary uh, systems in the body that deals with stress, that's finally giving us the answers in terms of how do emotional issues translate to physical symptoms. So for years, the idea of it's all in your head would be considered quite an insult, and particularly for people who have a, a chronic pain or have sort of chronic symptoms, that would be one of the probably the one of the most upsetting things that you can say. Gaslighting. Whereas, yes, yeah, exactly. But now we know actually when you have unbalanced and you have painful perceptions that causes a repeated and re-triggering of the stress response which means your nervous system is getting regular excess doses of cortisol and adrenaline which then function and affect your inflammation levels your muscle tightness your muscle tension and when this happens for a short time the body's really adept at compensating and the body can hide it for a while but when that continues for months or years soon that then moves into a place where the body just can't compensate anymore and then our physical sensations start to become expressed so now we can see the clear mechanism of how emotions impact physiology i think that will in the coming years lead to even more ways of actually helping people address those emotional issues that are causing the chronic pain. So in terms of my story, the biggest difference without a doubt that impacted my shoulder pain and helped it resolve was actually clearing the trauma around my parents' divorce. And to tell me in those early days that that was the connection, you couldn't have paid me enough to believe that. But actually having worked through that and experienced that shift um, it's it's really powerful in learning just what the mind can do. There's that marriage happening between spirituality and science in lots of different teachings, but yet we didn't know that there was actually science that backed this up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So in- I think the, the key is also really good quality science, like yeah. really good quality science, not yeah. some where it was quite sparse and it was maybe a little bit inconsistent. Now we're getting like the gold standard of scientific trials backing it up, which I think is um, really important for for lots of reasons. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, Just as an example, I remember one time I had this client chronic pain kind of accepted it forever too. that kind of pain. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've I've always had this. I'm always going to have this. I was like, you know, what happened originally? Oh, you know, I got in a car accident. I was young, blah, blah, blah. What was going on around that time? Or, you, you know, oh, I was getting divorced and I, you know, all this stuff. <laughs> oh, you know, and sometimes I just do that. Just throw out breadcrumbs, like, yes, you know, for yeah. them to kind of see that hmm, maybe you were going through a hard time when you got that injury and maybe yes. it's living inside of you. And that's that's quite a revelation, isn't it? When even if you're given a few breadcrumbs, that can be that can be something that's that's powerful in itself to just start to connect the dots. And then we start to get a little bit curious and think, oh, well, could that be? And then then we explore it and then we start to get motion. 
Right. I, you know, a lot of times I used to be so into like true crime. I love true crime. I like the mysteries. I mean, I want to research them and figure them out. Like (laughs) I'm so into, I've always loved investigating and you know, that kind of turned inward. I started to investigate like my ancestry, my DNA, you know, the negative patterns in my family. I started to investigate what made me. We're always putting so much energy outside of ourselves. Yeah. And I think we end up putting more and more layers on. Mm. Whereas to get to really what we really enjoy, we actually have to go inward rather than putting more layers on. So it's, it's even sometimes a little bit counterintuitive because we sometimes have to ask some difficult questions and really sit with them um, because we do have the answers, but we might not like the answers. And I think that's kind of, that's sometimes where the challenge is. Yeah, it was a huge part of my journey, looking back at the things that molded me and that became that subconscious mind. And some of it was just family patterns that were so strong very strong and if we think our our parents when they were little their parents would have been one degree stronger in their convictions or one degree firmer in the way that they behaved and I think when we're young and when we're very little in particular it's our natural tendency to be comfortable being vulnerable and being open And so there aren't too many people who had an experience when they were very little where they could open up and be vulnerable and not be told that that was either wrong or be criticized or be scolded for that. And so I think for a vast number of people, those early experiences when we did dare open up, that was met with maybe a critical voice or a punishment. And when we learn those rules, we learn those family rules, they, as you say, they're deep. And unless we can find ways to update them and expand them and or break free of them, then often those rules will govern the rest of our lives. So it's, it's really important to be able to face those moments because once those moments have been processed, that ability to be open and vulnerable is natural. So it just comes back, but it's not necessarily easy to get there. Wow. So true. And then you also have the conditions of the world, right? Not just of course. Yeah. You have the standard that you have to live up to that you want to fit into. And that starts kind of like after you're seven, right? So now you've moved into being formed by all of these expectations of your family. You go out to school and you have all of this. My 10-year-old asked me not even a week ago, why is it that I have to have 13 years of math? I said, God, that's such a good point. I don't know <laughs> to say this. <laughs> and you can see in her right now, 10 right? Fifth grade, starting to really care about the things that she wears, not for herself, not just for her own comfort. No one has that or someone else has that sweatshirt. I'm not wearing it ever again. The ego, it starts to form and get loud at a very young age. And then we get a little bit older and then it becomes more romantic And then we try and conform and fit into the ideas that we think our ideal partner will have. So often we bend and sort of put on a slight facade in the early days, at least to try and give them the impression that we are who they want them to be. Then we move into employment and then we have a new set of rules. We have another authority figure. We have new sets of expectations and ways to behave. So often we'll have five or six different layers of conditioning. Mm -hmm. And then we wonder why we lose ourselves. And wanting to be the best parent and have my kids be the best kids, right? I mean, I went through all that with my older kids. I mean, my son was going to be a baseball player before he was born. Right. You know, (laughs) I already had planned their religion, their belief systems. What bullshit is that? Now that I look back, I mean, how unfair, you know, to not come into this world like, who are you? I'm telling them who they're going to be. 
Yeah. We're often then asked about that in terms of have we planned it? Have we thought it through? And then if you say well, no, then you'll probably get a bit of a funny look. And like, Really? So it does take then courage to actually uh, allow them to do that. So my son is six months at the oh, moment. So we're, we're doing our best to help him just grow as naturally as he can do. But it's, it's hard. Yeah. Yes, such a difference between my older kids and my younger. I really had a hard time when all of this came to my awareness and I could see it. It really was through my own experience with my son because come his senior year, he hurt his arm. He had a lot of, my dad died. It was very hard for him. He was, we worked for my dad. He had a, you know, broken heart. Everything fell through for him when it came to baseball. His, his, his high school team won state championship the year he couldn't play you know, his senior year, literally my dad died during his graduation. It was a bad time. So much trauma. Well, he looked at me confused, but I could hear him saying, where do I go? Coach me. Mm. Which base do I go to next? Where's my team? Where's my fans to cheer me on? Like, where do I go? What do I do? And I was like, oh my God, what did I do? And it wasn't just me. It was, it was all, it was everyone. It was like, yeah, this the community. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was yeah. everything. And it's taken him a good five to seven years. Right. And I gave him that space when I realized it. Right. I did, but it took him a long time to start just figuring out for the first time who he really was not, yeah. you know, based on what everybody else wanted him to be. And it, it was hard, but you know, you, I can understand why there are so many suicides. Mm. And I think when we, when we don't understand how our mind works and we believe strongly that actually there isn't a way to change the way that we're feeling, yeah. then some people start to think, well, that is the way out because if I stay here, there's no possibility of change. Right. Or something's we, wrong with me. So right? yeah, there's wrong. some there's something wrong and it, it can't be changed. It's fixed. Yeah. So that's why I think it's so important that actually we help people learn how their mind works. And yeah. when we've got some relatively simple to understand tools, because you know they're they're human, then they're, they're natural to us, then we can start to really make changes. But if we don't have that option, if we don't have that choice. Many people grow up and spend a lot of their lives thinking that their mind is working against them. And I think that that's one thing that will be so powerful to change, to help people see that the, the mind is pliable, the mind is adaptable, it's flexible, but we need to know how to do right. that. Well, and I would say that in our family and maybe in many, many people's lives, you might hear, oh, you need to just go to church. Jesus is going to save you. And that is beautiful. I, it's not that I'm taking away from it. Jesus is a, a master healer. He, he was a great teacher. I'm not taking away from that. And I'm not taking away from community and support and love, right? Yeah. However, like you said, understanding like the root of it, that inside work for myself from experience, once you are aware of that, awakened to that, it's like it doesn't go away. It's like that, it's that inner wisdom, isn't it? Yes. Um, I think if we were to take pretty much all of the religions all the way back, then I think a lot of their core pieces were about understanding the self, about finding balance, about certain sort of principles that actually could apply today. But I think over the, the millennia, those have often been changed and warped to such a degree that I think the key messages are, are often lost. So I read in your book about three principles that stuck with you that you had learned. One was consulting help or asking for help. That was my dad's biggest message. When we, anyone would work for him, he'd be like, please ask for help. If you don't know what you're doing, ask for help. So that was always a big one, but it's hard to ask for help. I've been there, been drowning before and did not want to lift my hand for help, you know, cause yeah. I was like, I do it myself I because I had let, yeah. been let down before, you know, yeah. and I was that stubborn in that. 
Then the second one was asking questions. That was my, another thing my dad, you know, if you don't know, ask a question. And then the last one, I think, am I saying these right? And the last one was receiving feedback. So it's, it's really if we want to achieve a transformation in something. So if we really want to change something, then we need those three key components. So we need to be able to actually seek someone who is an expert in that particular field so we need to go to someone who has more awareness or more information than us opening yourself up to actually there is more information out there yeah so once we start to consult with someone who is an expert in that area then we want to ask those quality questions and then we want to be able to get feedback on our answers to then help us to learn and grow and move forwards but we need all three of those to get a transformation. So when maybe we're struggling with a trauma or maybe we're struggling with painful experiences and we will often say, okay, well, I'll try a, a self-help book. Now, if self-help books achieved a transformation, then the whole world would be in a spectacularly <laughs> wonderful place. Right. But the reality is mental health problems are bigger than ever. So therefore, it's not necessarily the, the content. Actually, it's being able to implement it with guidance and get feedback. And that's the, that's the key, I think, to actually learning and growing in whatever area it is. If I have a burst pipe in my bathroom, then what's the first thing I'm going to do? I'm going to consult an expert, someone who knows what the issue is. Then I'm going to ask them questions in terms of, right, how do we sort this? What's the issue? What's the plan? And then we're going to get feedback on, okay, has that worked? Is that all we need to yeah. do? Yes, that's it. Mm -hmm. So those three apply to all transformations. But if mm -hmm. we just do it by ourselves, then we'll be forever boxed in by our own beliefs. So that's mm -hmm. why I think we need that external guidance. And I wonder if like, because I remember a time when, you know, I was in Al-Anon and I was reading all the boundary books, the codependency books. And I could tell you all about everything, about how to do it and all the things, but I wasn't applying it in my life. Mm -hmm. You can be so knowledgeable, but it's the action. The action. Yeah, uh, absolutely. That's the, that's, that is the, the key part of it. And sometimes it's actually being held accountable to, to put those yeah. actions in place as well. Because we'll often come up, and I'm, I'm exactly the same, we'll find excuses and find ways around things. But whereas if we're, we're sticking to a, a plan and we're getting feedback, then the, the desire to perform increases and then we're more likely to, to actually go ahead and do it. So I feel like that's where the commitment comes in. Like, how committed are you to making your mental health a priority, right? Or, yeah. or your pain go away? You know, how committed are you to get a resolution? Yeah. And I think there are commitment can actually be broken down into a few different components. So first of all, we need mental commitment in terms of, OK, I'm going to decide that I'm going to make a change. So we have the mental component first. Then we have the physical element of commitment. Am I going to turn up and am I going to attend as and when I say I am. So I might have the knowledge, but if I'm not physically there, then I'm not committed. Yeah. Then we have the spiritual commitment. So why is this important? What's the deeper reason for it? What's the driver? And then often we'll have the financial commitment because even if we have the previous yeah. free, actually a lot of the time things change when we put our money where our mouth is. And because <laughs> of the way value systems work, we will find money for that which we value and we'll run out of money for that, which we don't. It's a mere miracle sometimes how I have been able to provide a Christmas for my four children at one point when I was single parent, right? I mean, it was, wow, I just pulled that off, right? If you want to pull it off, you will. Yeah, yeah. If, you, if it's important to you, you'll find that money. And that's why, that's why we need all four, because if we yeah. don't have all four, one of them starts to slide and then we're not truly committed. Okay. So here's my thing. A person can have an issue with each thing. I mean, sometimes people are so busy. 
right? They're just barely hanging on and they never even give themselves five minutes to even consider maybe something is wrong here and everybody else is going, whoa, right? Um, until you run into a brick wall. I've been there before, like yeah. just and, and on the fast track. And actually that was just a way to, to ignore, right? Anything that really, truly that was happening within me. Exactly. So then yeah. you have that. So then the next one you, you were talking about, this is the one that I really hit home with me is the commitment to actually showing up. Right. Yeah. Which is another thing, you know, you, people make excuses all the time. Right. So if, why am I making those excuses? So you literally, there's so much because it's like, why do I do this? Why do I do that? And it's then we go on to the, the spiritual. So yeah. that needs to be a big enough why. And yeah. so often we'll, I'll be speaking to someone and then I'll say, okay, so why have you decided now is the time to, to work on this? And it'll be something along the lines of, right, I, I, want, to, I want to change my relationship. Like, yeah. Okay, that's great. So it's a very common one. But that single idea by itself is yeah. is too vague and general and broad to actually provide the the energy needed to take motion whereas right. when someone can break that down and say actually I want to be more intimate with my part partner in the morning I want to be more free to go and do the things that I want to do on a Saturday evening. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to arrange time where I can be one-on-one um, -on -one with my partner when the kids aren't there. So when we get the real specifics, then the energy starts to increase. But if it's just broad, then mm -hmm. that'll work for a week or two. And then when you need to show up on week four, then, uh, then it starts to drop a little bit. So yeah. We need, we need the specifics. The brain does not like generalities. It doesn't mm. give us tangible, um, it doesn't change our chemistry enough to make right. a difference. Yeah. So specifics are key. That's amazing. I like that point. And I think also just generally, a lot of the things that when we look at ourselves that we want to change, it's because of the outside world. I want a better relationship with my partner. We're looking for our partner, you know, basically to be better, you know, or a lot of times, you know, everything that we're seeking, love, trust, validation, all the things that we're not feeling inside of us, we're looking for outside and yes. it doesn't, it doesn't work. It's like, I've even noticed that. I mean, my relationship, I mean, for so long, it was so dysfunctional, but it was because I was dysfunctional in it. Right. I can't, I can't change him. I can only change me when I change me. I mean, the whole dynamic of our relationship changed. Yeah. Cannot apply an external solution to an internal problem yeah. and then expect it to be, to be solved. It might help, and I think the danger is sometimes it allows you to cope, yeah. which is, I think, probably one of the most dangerous things. Because when you allow yourself to tolerate and when you allow yourself to just cope, you can actually, as humans, we can do that for a long time. Yes. And it's just on the edge of tolerable. I actually looked up to people who did that before ah interesting yeah that, you know like in my family just watching my mama tolerate and be so patient I thought it was honorable I wanted to be like that isn't that insane <laughs> mm. well it's, it makes logical sense but in terms of living a fulfilled life that's probably not going to get you the way <laughs> the, the idea the outcome that you want well it, it looked good from the outside I mean, she definitely looked like Mother Teresa, but when I started experiencing it for myself, it felt like shit. <laughs> so it didn't work out for me. Didn't work. It didn't work out. But it's true, though. It's scary how long we can tolerate something. Yeah. And there's a, a principle here that's called hedonic adaptation. And the principle of hedonic adaptation says that regardless of our circumstances, whether they're incredibly positive or incredibly negative, in a very short space of time, it feels normal. Wow. So if, for example, you win the lottery, say you've got a hundred million pounds and you've got everything that you ever want, 
that very quickly starts to feel normal. So you might have a high of three months, say, for example, maybe even six months, but then yeah. it just starts to feel normal and then the, the fizz starts to fade away. Mm. What's more troubling is that when we're in a toxic relationship or when we're in a job that's unfulfilling or when we're taking actions that are minimizing ourselves, if we do that for a, a short period of time, then that starts to feel like normal. And then all of a sudden we can go for a long period of time in a blink of an eye and it's just, it's just normal. And yeah. the only way that we then contrast that is then either something more intense happens for you to then go, okay, now I need to change. Mm-hmm. Or you get a glimpse of what happens on the other side of it. And then yeah. that contrast is enough for you to go, right, now I'm mentally, physically, spiritually, and financially ready to change. So yeah. hedonic adaptation is a, is a really powerful idea, I think. God, so many people living like that, right? Oh my gosh. And it's just, you're not living authentically. I mean, you're masking who you truly are inside and what you truly want to do with your life. It's so sad. So I think that is what turns into pain. All of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, you know, my back is just hurting so bad. Are you stressed? No, everything's great. You know, the best life in the world. Didn't you see my Facebook? We look so great. You don't sleep, right? You know, your anxiety. I know I'm anxiety for no reason. I'm so happy generalized anxiety been there yeah Mm. yeah it's so crazy it's just those masks we wear you know like i'm fine i'm fine yeah so just before we sort of started um our call today i had um, a conversation with um, a new client and her primary symptom was overwhelming stress Mm, in there and The challenge that she was talking through is that she would have a mountain of emails each day and she couldn't feel like she could get through them. And that was just getting more and more and more stressed. But when we actually drilled down to it, she kind of got to the moment where she admitted and she went, to be honest, my life's just not working. I'm not fulfilled in my job. I don't like what I'm doing. So therefore, the thought of doing that again tomorrow is just unbearable. And then the expectations she put on herself were to do everything all day in that job and have everything finished. So then we've got an unfulfilled career and we've got unrealistic expectations and then we've got a perfect storm for overwhelming stress. So yeah, often our our stories don't hold up that well when we question them, but we need to, we need to question them sometimes with some difficult, questions and that goes for me as well that goes for you we we could all ask some questions and we all avoid them um, to some degree well and we could even start asking too many questions because we don't trust ourselves or yes you know the doubt that we have like keep questioning myself you know because maybe I'm not doing it right or I'm not good enough for this and that but there's so many things oh my god it's such a mind fuck yeah (laughs) oh my god it's it's just a lot but you know what? We're talking about everybody's mind, you know, and it just comes to just yours. Nobody knows it better than you. You just don't realize that you do. Yeah. So how do you start? If they come to you and they say, I have all these problems, what is your way to get to the root for them? I think in order for us to make progress, we need to be able to clearly articulate where we're going. Mm-hmm. Because if we don't know where we're going, we have no way of knowing what the obstacles are, what the challenges are, what's in the way. And that doesn't mean we need a 24-point detailed plan of exactly where we're going, but we need to know where we're directing the ship. When we know where we're going, where we're heading, then we need to identify, okay, so what are the obstacles that are holding us back? Because when we know where we want to go and what's holding us back, then we can formulate a plan to solve both of them. So it's really chunking it down into small pieces, getting clear on where we're going, and then committing to to getting there. You know, and sometimes people think of trauma as like, oh my God, it's been this huge use by, you know, somebody close to us. It doesn't always have to be that. You mentioned divorce, which is kind of a common thing. You know, sometimes it's just, I mean, I have a ridiculous memory 
I mean, it's so, so minute. I mean, it was like my dad, he was so disappointed. I didn't want to play softball. I mean, he even talked about it on his deathbed. Mm-hmm. You know, I actually, at that point, I was already kind of awakened and I was like, good Lord, this poor man, <laughs> <laughs> he's going to take this with him to his death. Um, but, you know, I mean, I felt like I let him down, like, you know, and he talked about it often, you know, as a joke, maybe in some way. And that's kind of how I looked at it after a while, um, because I know he never did it intentionally to hurt me. And if he knew that I had carried something so silly with me for most of my life, you know, but sometimes it's something small. So is it very, very often it's something very, yeah. So there are 10 different types of adverse childhood experiences. So these are not specifically defined as trauma, but they're potentially traumatic and highly stressful. And it ranges from sort of physical abuse. So if you were stressed, so it covers the big ones, but sometimes it it also covers things like not feeling special in your family home, one member going to prison, uh, not having uh, emotional support, not feeling loved, parental divorce, uh, bullying at school. And Mm -hmm. often it's, it's those events that either accumulate over time or have such an impact that they start a behavior change, which then ripples forward through time. So most of the work that I actually do with clients is on those adverse incidents rather than the the big, huge traumas, Um, because most people have had challenges growing up. And sometimes it's actually working through the challenges that, that leads to a big change rather than, as you said, you know, that one, one case that made the news rather than rather than those and that's something that I find really quite quite frequently wow and then you also find it in your everyday relationships as well I mean yes. yeah. you know all of these things I mean you may not see it you may be like oh never, nothing like my mother <laughs> like, which means yeah. one thing <laughs> yeah it means exactly like your mother yeah you're just it's so funny because sometimes you're just not even conscious to it Yes. Yeah. Very, very often. Yeah. Yeah. Or the things that you swore that you would never do. And I think that sometimes you don't, you, you go on the extreme opposite, but it's still because of that. Yeah. So there's always still the root of it. You're like, oh, I would never be that way with my children. Well, yeah, you're the opposite. So, but it's, so it's still controlling you the way that your mother was. Ex- yes, exactly. Right? Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. Just, it's just gone in, gone in the, the polar direction. Yeah. Yep been there done that too and I also think that what happens when you bring your awareness to these things you actually do find some empathy for your parents oh 100 percent yeah 100 percent yeah when we're inside of it it's hard to see though so that's why I think absolutely yeah yeah you need that other perspective to kind of help you find that awareness at the very end of your book, which I didn't get to, which I can't wait to, was some sort of assessment. Yeah. Tell me about that. What does it do? So when you work through the book and you kind of get us uh, like a really good grip of what's going on, then you can go through the free assessment, which is takes about four or five minutes. And it just asks you some specific questions about your history and about any symptoms that you're having to mm-hmm. find out if actually, um, first of all, if you believe that after going through the book, that approach would work for you. Now you've got a bit of a grounding. And also I share some tips and some sort of specialized content that kind of helps you put the, the details in the book in a, in a broader context. So it's a, it's an effective way to just find out where you are at the moment and then compare that to where it is that you want to be. So um, that's a, that's a free tool that you get after sort of going through the book and it's only a short one. So. You created a system, a system of all your great tools that you've put together. Yes. Yeah. It combines the conscious elements in terms of balancing perceptions, asking questions, the subconscious element in terms of how we store trauma, and then the unconscious element in terms of those rules that we learn from family members that we're blind to. So it just covers the the whole spectrum. And that's the way that I have found is the, the most efficient way to accelerate the resolution of trauma. 
there's different methods. So I'm just looking at some of these. I thought some of them were very interesting. You talk about with the subconscious mind, the eye movement, desensitization and pre-processing. I thought that was very interesting. I was curious. Can you tell me about that? Yeah. So that comes to one of the guiding principles of the book in terms of when you have a painful or a traumatic experience, in that moment, your mind takes a snapshot of where you are, who you're with, what's happening, what it smells like. Um, and it stores all of that, as well as all the feelings that you're having in what's known as an emotional memory image. Mm. That emotional memory image then gets stored subconsciously, a little bit like on a danger list. And mm-hmm. then your mind becomes hypervigilant for anything that resembles that. Wow. Now, when you go into a certain environment, and if your mind can link anything about what you're going through now to that danger event, triggers an echo of that original response, and then you are flooded with stress hormones and cortisol. So EMDR is one of the techniques that we can use to actually neutralize that emotional memory image and then actually allow the trauma to to resolve. So it's, it's one of the tools that can be used. The way you described it and explained it, the science behind it, it was so receivable. I mean, it just... And I was one of them. It just makes sense. Like, it, it, it just it just makes sense. And, and I'm not in any way pretending that I was the, the creator of this. I'm right? simply learning from the, the mentors that have helped me. But when I heard it, I was like, that just makes sense. And then for all of the clients that I work with, just when I explain it, they says, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. So not only do you have a book, which, which you have on your website, the audible, you can get the paperback or you can actually get the PDF for free. Yes. So the real purpose of the book is to help people get an understanding of how trauma works. So the audio version and the the PDF version is completely free to download. And the purpose, as we discussed, is really just to simplify how the mind works in relation to trauma to give people an idea that they're not crazy. There's not something wrong with them. They're not at fault, but they just haven't understood how it works yet. Wow. So you're gifting the world this, which needs it so desperately. Yes, that's the gift. And it's a compilation of the gifts that I've been given. So it it just felt right to, to give it away. And then, so if they do like your book, which I'm sure they will. And they take this free assessment at the end of the book. What kind of services do you offer? And do you offer them via Zoom? Yes. So I've been working online since 2015. So um, I've been working online for like sort of eight, nine years now. And the book is the theory of how it works, but also an outline of how we resolve it. So the the program that I offer is essentially the book in life form with sort of one-to-one guidance with me so we can get those three elements to then create a transformation. Nice. You said something earlier, like we're far more powerful than we perceive ourselves to be. The, you know, we've been told because I think the world wants us to be small, like the hierarchy wants us to be small. <laughs> As we're put into educational systems and things like that, we're we're definitely taken down a path that guides us more into a box that encourages us to actually go out and really express ourselves. And until we learn even at a fundamental level how our mind works, then we're going to follow the mental structures that we get told to follow. So that's why when someone gets a glimpse of Oh, actually, I I control my perceptions. I can balance them. I can increase this. I can decrease that. All by asking questions and eliciting the right information, then that individual just feels empowered because they're doing the work. Yeah, and that that's I think the one of the most liberating things when you realize that actually it's it's you that makes the change. You yeah. you may have a guide, you may have a coach, you may have a therapist, but you're the one who does the work. Yeah. We are so powerful and it, it makes me sad because we've given our power away for so long to every, every which direction outside of us. You know, I think that most of the people that listen to this podcast, you know, are seekers within, you know, seeking that knowledge within the wisdom within, like Jesus said, their kingdom within. And I think that it's not unique. It's within all of us. 
So don't give up. I always just say, you know, don't give up. And there's so many different, you know, like you said, um, you know, the EMDR, there's so many different things that you can do. Did I read that you also do hypnosis? So yes, I'm a hypnotherapist. Um, A technique that I use is also called split second unlearning, which is where we actually help someone access the emotional memory image that's causing the problem and then guide them for a process to clear it. So that's uh, something that has, it's recently just been published in the UK. So it's only now getting its first sort of literature and scientific background. So that's kind of one of the the breakthrough tools that I talk about in the book. And it's also one of the the breakthrough tools that I use. Um, When I'm speaking to a, a potential client, I'll hear the phrase, I've tried everything. And it may feel that way. And I've been in that position where it feels like I've just done everything. Um, But actually, there's some there's some really powerful tools out there. And uh, split second and learning is definitely one of them. Mm, I hate I hate that people feel that way. Like never give up. There's always something out there, right? Yeah, I mean, go take some mushrooms, if anything. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, life is hard. It makes me so sad that, you know, we are all faced with such challenges collectively even the best thing you can do is not worry about the collective and worry about you and you helping yourself helps the collective helps the yeah yeah it all starts with the self doesn't it it sure does all right well thank you danny can you tell everybody where they can find you and your book so i'd recommend that you go to www.thetraumaexpert.co.uk um, and that's definitely a .co.uk one. Um, and there you'll find me where you can download uh, the audiobook and the PDF uh, for free. And that will give you um, hopefully more insights even than we've shared today and a bit more of an outline in terms of actually how we can accelerate trauma resolution. Awesome. And now it's time for Break That Shit Down. On a daily basis... Think about the single biggest challenge you've had that day and then ask yourself, how is that challenge helping you to grow? Because when we can be grateful and thankful for what's going well in life and we can see the challenges that we're going through are going to help us in life, then regardless of what happens, we're always moving in the right direction. So it's a little practice that you can do in the shower, in front of your um, office. You can do it in your diary, your journal, but just getting skilled in the art of finding the learnings within the challenges. And that will set you up for uh, ongoing growth. That's good advice. Just recently, I began to at night, just kind of like, oh, what happened today? Let's just... yeah like unfold it all. So that way I make space for some good dreams. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I think that I'm going to add that I'm going to start adding that. What was the lesson, you know, that I learned when we practice that on the little things, it's easier. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's easier to apply to the bigger ones. Does that actually become like a new neural pathway? Yeah. Yeah. Danny, nice to meet you. Lovely to meet you. Thanks for being with us today. We hope you will come back next week. If you like what you hear, don't forget to rate, like, and subscribe. Thank you. We rise to lift you up. Thanks for listening.